sifter.com.au. G'day, I'm Chris Button and this is Drop Rate, Sifter's video game review podcast. Spreading managed democracy throughout the galaxy with me today is Adam Christo. We examine the satirical warscape of Helldivers 2, the hot new third-person shooter. First, let's check out the latest headlines from Walkthrough, Sifter's weekly news podcast. Hi, I'm Kyle Paletta. And I'm Fiona Bartholomew. And here are the top stories this week on Walkthrough, Sifter's weekly news podcast for Sunday, 12th of May. Xbox kills four Bethesda studios, including multi-award winning makers of Hi-Fi Rush and Prey. Helldivers 2 players go to war, loving 200,000 negative reviews after Sony tries to force mandatory PSN logins on PC. Hades 2 gets a surprise early access launch this week, and it's already smashed the previous game's record. And Nintendo confirms we'll learn more about the next Switch by this time next year. You can get every episode of Walkthrough for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or on our website, sifter.com.au, every Sunday. Articles to read, podcasts to listen to, and videos to watch on sifter.com.au. So, Adam, to kick things off, can you explain the, the overall concept of Helldivers 2 and how the actual gameplay works? Well, I mean, where to begin? <laughs> you know, it's a, I, so it's a PvE extraction shooter, which I feel like is a, is a soup of words. Um, those of us in the games world kind of know what those all mean, but essentially PvE, you're working together with other players. Uh, it's player versus environment, so this is not a PvP game where you're going to be shooting people. It's not like an Escape from Tarkov type game. And Extraction Shooter means you're going to be busting into an area, completing a mission, and then trying to get out and survive as fast as you can. Um, you play as a Helldiver, so you're a freshly uh, thought-out recruit uh, blasted in from Super Earth. Uh, to bring democracy to the rest of the galaxy and spread liberty and freedom everywhere. So there is like a distinct satirical tone in this game, which is very funny, very good. Um, it reminds me a lot of the Paul Verhoeven uh, camp classic Starship Troopers from 1997. Um, not so much the books, but definitely like the film adaptations idea of pompous camp, fascism, uh, the military industrial complex and war. Um, but Helldivers 2 is also reflecting on the last 25 years of what we've seen globally. So it does feel like a critique of the war on terror, the Bush administration, uh, the last 20 plus years of forever wars that we've sort of experienced with Middle East conflicts. The idea of like a mission accomplished banner just being unfurled uh, like on a ship, for example, is very much the tone of this game, even though like thousands of people might be dying every second. Um it's an always online uh, live service game as well. So note that that is a part of this game and there are minor microtransactions which feel not too terrible in this context. So um, that is a part of this genre, I suppose, now that we have to endure for the foreseeable future until something changes. Uh, but those are sort of like the key elements of this game. And you as a Helldiver are fighting against aliens. So there are two main alien races at the moment, the socialist automatons, 
Uh, are they actually socialist? What's going on there? We'll never know. Super Earth's not going to tell us. And the Terminated Threat, which is sort of like weird crab bug aliens, sort of that's your classic Zerg or Starship Troopers type alien, you know, xenomorph type that like burrows under the ground and explodes out and attacks you in swarms. Um, and so games gameplay changes quite dramatically between those two factions as well. But that, in a nutshell, is sort of what you're looking at. Yeah, and it certainly leads right out of the gate with a lot of those influences and, and tonally, especially with that lampooning of, as you say, the uh, you know the industrial military complex, uh, a lot of themes of nationalism and arguably one of my favorite phrases to come out of video games in, in recent uh, recent years, the phrase of managed democracy. Uh, you're not just spreading democracy throughout the, the, the galaxy, it's managed democracy. So as a, for what that means specifically, I'm, I'm not entirely sure, but it's it's very over the top, very very silly. That's it's it's played so straight that it's very clear that it's you know it's taking the absolute piss, it's taking the absolute Mickey out of the you know the, the superpowers of the world with these great big you know military sort of budgets and armies that. Uh, you know, use force to achieve whatever goals they set out to to achieve. But it's it's re- really interesting, and the the way that you sort of engage with with this game, you you start out on on your own ship, which you can name from a bunch of presets to you know na- name it something silly over the top. Mine was you know the the Sentinel of Democracy, something that on the surface sounds very cool, but it's actually very very stupid because of yeah i I named mine the pride of justice because i was like we're gonna make this a gay hull diving ship but like a a really problematic one excellent excellent because you know once once you've got this this ship and sort of you you manage your uh your your armory your sort of loadout you know a lot of different things but then you've got this war table where you can choose different missions to to sort of set out to uh to land and and accomplish but as as Adam, as you mentioned, it is this sort of always online game where everyone playing is sort of contributing towards you know spreading managed democracy throughout the galaxy. So you'll notice on this war table, there's various planets where you're uh, quote unquote liberating from these these bug aliens or these these robot um, sort of uh, type enemies, uh, and over time these these planets with a lot of people finishing these missions the um they sort of the percentage goes up in terms of how much have been liberated and you sort of push them back and do more and more missions go to different planets do different missions but then the the interesting thing is when you choose a a particular uh, mission that you're going to do you pick it on the map you set out you you launch you know get launched by this this pod that um you know jets you out on onto the surface of whatever planet you're you're going to to visit and then you've got sort of this this area which is it's not fully open world or anything like that but it's it's a relatively open setting where you've got this objective whether say for the the bug aliens it's okay we're going to eliminate x amount of bugs we're going to destroy their hives destroy their eggs and then we'll extract. But then there's a whole bunch of other sub-objectives you can do, which include 
foraging for resources to then upgrade your loadout and you know the, the salvos that can be you know shot from afar from sort of the the mothership so to speak uh, so there's there's a a few things where you can either mainline the missions or you can explore a little bit generally with a, a time frame of about 30 minutes uh, before you need to to extract but it's just a lot of fun because almost the, the minute you launch onto whatever surface it is you choose you're bombarded with enemies and collaborating with your your teammates is such an important part of survival here you can play it solo if perhaps you play in one of the the easier difficulties but helldivers 2 is absolutely a game that shines when you play with other people from both a strategic uh, viewpoint in terms of you know how you're going to get through some of these hellish encounters versus the the sheer chaos and unintended perhaps intended slapstick moments that can occur when someone decides to drop a bombing run on a patch of land that you happen to be inhabiting at that moment in time which can uh, yeah can involve rather hilarious circumstances where your own teammate and ends up being the cause of your own demise it's it's totally wild and i'd love to hear what you think of the the moment to moment gameplay adam Oh, it's it's so good. And I think this is like where like Arrowhead Studios, the developers of this game, their history of previous games really starts to show through. So they created the Magicka series, which was, I want to say like late 2000s, early 2010s, uh, cult hit on Steam. One of the first games I actually bought on my Steam account where you and up to four friends could play a wizard in a top down sort of like twin stick shooter game. And you would use button combinations to like craft spells. So like the Y button would be fire and the B button would be ice. And you'd press those in a bunch of different ways to try and get like an ice fireball or something. But the thing was that it had friendly fire and things could go wrong very quickly. So not only did you have to master a whole bunch of keyboard combinations or button presses really quickly, you then also needed to be really careful and strategic with how you and your friends were playing to ensure that you wouldn't obliterate each other and just like wipe yourself out with everything else. And Helldivers 2 is very much a game about friendly fire and about like navigating the the challenges of more people helping you doesn't always make things easier as you've kind of alluded to with like bomb strikes and various other things that happen everything in this game can hurt you from your your friendly fire of guns and bullets uh to big giant stratagems that you can deploy from your your ship on, in space which will blast down onto the uh battlefield for you so um the moment-to-moment friction and fun of that sort of stuff is incredible, and they've come up with a lot of different ways that work with the third dimension here that make it a lot of fun. So there is the ability to go prone, uh, which is really important if you're using heavy Gatling guns and machine guns, uh, but also great because it means you can sort of go prone in front of one of your comrades and not get shot by them, or go prone under one of their missile turrets that they may drop to support you and not be like obliterated very quickly. Um you know, there's also the really amazing dive move, which you double tap the prone button or the crouch button and your character just does this Hail Mary sort of like Superman dive to just desperately get out of the way of whatever's about to murder them. Um, with limited success, that's I think where a lot of the slapstick comedy comes from is just like diving into the worst situations possible or just diving badly into things or having it flop on you. Um, you know, there's a really fun physics system in this game that plays into all of this as well with a very kind of destructible landscape too, that's sort of like 
you know, smoke and things are clashing and flying around everywhere. And so um, it really captured that sort of chaos and intensity that like, you know, you see in war films that you see in sort of really grim, uncomfortable, violent encounters in cinema when we talk about violence on such a grand scale like this, which is kind of remarkable for a satire game to do, but they've nailed the sort of horror of, of that element in, in the moment. And I think a lot of that is also reflected with the sort of live service element of this game. Um, one, when your Helldiver dies, it's dead. You're not like just magically respawning. Uh, you're calling on a new recruit from the top of the ship to come down on a drop ship and you're taking over that recruit. And the default system setting for this game will change up and randomize the voice of that character as well to really like hone in that your character is not an immortal that's just magically reappearing. You're just working through an endless stream of recruits in a forever war that are dying off. It's a real subtle thing, but it really kind of plays into sort of the horror of this sort of like war type violence. The other thing that I find really fascinating is the way that this game uses its war systems and its galactic map. So when you finish a mission, a giant bar pops up telling you how much you contributed to the battle on this planet. And your 45 minutes of struggling and heroic efforts might mean a 0.001% tiny little tick on this bar that means absolutely nothing. And it further reinforces that feeling of like limited contribution at the cost of so much life and human life is just being wasted and poured into whatever this military effort is. And likewise, when you see those big numbers and stats on the galactic war screen of like, you know, 40,000 hell divers currently fighting in this area, 50,000 over there, and that's active players, it further reinforces that sort of icky, horrible feeling of just like how much churn is going on with super earth how much people they are running themselves through even though you're on a ship called the spear of hope or whatever with like a democracy officer standing next to you being like soldier do you want to join the valor board of heroes um it really captures wonderfully i think just like the uncomfortable ickiness of war and then the moment to moment gameplay really hones in on that while it's very fun and very silly I think that if you are aware of the satire that it's doing, it's also quite unflinching and wanting you to stare directly into just how uncomfortable um, some of the themes of this game is at the same time as the fun in the camp of it. And I think that's a really hard thing to do. And I think that they've achieved it quite well with some just really subtle ways that their user interface works and the way that it sort of reinforces, I guess, the futility and finality of each Helldiver on their mission and it, it almost feels kind of special when you finish a mission without dying because you're like this poor hell diver got through but it's definitely dead on the next mission uh so no one has a long lifespan in this game which is sort of grim to think about as well yeah it really emphasizes how disposable each unit is with how you know how many people you throw at each mission and the fact that as you say if someone dies, they just send another one in, in their place, you know, without even thinking about it. It's it's also, you know, made very, very apparent in the opening cinematic for Helldivers 2, which takes on the form of your classic uh, propaganda enlistment recruitment video, which is very much about, you know, preserving our way of life, you know, othering the enemy and... You know, again, emphasizing these themes of quote unquote liberation and managed democracy throughout the galaxy. So it, it plays on a lot of the themes that we, we see, you know, play out on a global scale, you know, now and, you know, for the many, many years 
that you know people have been going to war for so it's it's something that it it plays with as you say sort of in a satirical manner while obviously being very critical of it as well yeah and also just really funny like when you go into menus in this game, it'll be like democratically loading your menu, which I find very funny. Um, all the volume options in the sound settings go up to 11 instead of 10, <laughs> which I just think is like a real like beautiful little moment that they thought of there. They really put the cherry on top there. And, you know, a big element of this game is that exploration cycle that you do while on the way through a mission on ground. And I love that you're picking up samples and various other things, but the character box for that stuff is so funny. Like, there is nothing funnier than my character being like, my satchel is full for democracy. Or like, another sample for liberty. And it's just, it's so dumb and wonderful and just so joyous in how silly it is. Um, it, 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 I, I think it's, I think it's uh, like a hallmark of a game that's managed to like thread the needle perfectly uh, in terms of tone and theme and idea. Um, and, you know, that then leads into just what is a really fun gameplay experience as well. Yeah, yeah, un- undoubtedly, and as as we mentioned before, it's it's something that's you know, only further enhanced when when you play with others. And I you know can think of various moments where I've been on the receiving end of an ultimately well intentioned salvo from from a teammate, uh, only to see my character ragdoll out of existence. Uh, and again, you know, another another unit just sent from above, like like it was nothing. So you know, again, reinforcing that hilarity of the moment-to-moment gameplay while you know when when you think about it for more than a microsecond beyond a surface level it's sort of like this is not good uh this is not good you know how disposable human life is is treated you know in in this game which well you think well it's depicted like this in a game what's the game based on uh and it's uh yeah Speaking of disposable, though, how great is it to throw things in this game and specifically the stratagems, which I like to think of as like a violent Pokeball? Uh, Because it's like, so to put it in context, you you press a button down on your controller or, you know, I I can't remember what you press. I think it's control on your keyboard. And then you have to use um, your D-pad or if you're on keyboard and mouse, it's your actually it's your WASD buttons that you would normally move with to input a series of button commands, which then allow you to throw this ball and eventually you'll organize something to drop down from the ship. So that might be an extra weapon that you want to have on hand, like a machine gun or a special like gunner or a rocket launcher. It might be a turret that lands where you want it to. It might be a supply cache and it might be an orbital bombardment from space. But the act of like going into a little, little like ball and then piffing it is just very fun to me. There is just a silliness about it. Um, the, the movement of it, the fact that you have to use the D pad and that makes you do all sorts of weird crab claw things while you're trying to run away from enemies while trying to successfully, uh, type out commands is very fun. The fact that it is a drop ship, so there is a delay and you can like shorten that delay over time, but it's also helpful because you don't want to be standing anywhere near these things when they land, uh, cause you might smoosh yourself. Also great. Um, it's just a really fun mechanic that lends itself to almost every other element of the game's systems you can use a supply drop to murder something by perfectly luring it to where it's about to land and crushing it that's a thing you can do i've seen videos it's very funny um 
You can use turrets to set up successful engagement points. It's like all of these ideas are being thought out so carefully that they just apply for every moment in the game that you might want to use it. It's just very smart. It's a it's a game of many simple systems that come together like really carefully and then all complement each other. The describing of the inputting a stratagem command you know as as a claw grip is is so apt because yeah on the the playstation 5 the dual sense controller you have to hold down the l1 button and then try and use the the thumb on the same hand to to use the d-pad and it's it's tough i find it really difficult well i don't know perhaps i have small hands and and really struggle to to reach and press press those buttons while holding the 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 shoulder button at the same time but i think mechanically while it's tricky, it also does play into that that horror, that that panic in in the warlike setting. In terms of you're being chased by a bunch of bugs or murderous robots, and you're panicking in that moment, trying to input the correct command to get the support you need from above. But while you're trying to to dodge and sprint out of the way or avoid fire, while trying to stay alive or trying to put in this really fiddly little input. Again, it, it is it is objectively funny, but it's also very stressful when plays into the experience so so cleverly. And even when you've finished your mission on the particular drop point that you've you've gone to, then you've got to get to the extraction point and input another code to call in the uh, the extraction vehicle, which you know you see your your very oorah uh, military boy or girl or whatever you know just punching these numbers on on this screen in in a very comical fashion you know like an old person using an ipad you know really jabbing it's so at the, funny the it's controls. like this flail on the screen it's so good and i love that when if you press a button wrong in that combination there's a two second delay before you can try again which really ups the ante of i really can't screw this up if we have to get that thing rolling now i i have to perfectly press these buttons and of course in the moment in the tension of everything blowing up around you you always screw up yes yes and, and this this is a game built so heavily on moments that there are so many moments that you encounter yourself or you create with your fellow players sometimes you have you know a very uh, you know by the skin of your teeth escape from what was previously insurmountable odds or there are times where you get absolutely set up by one of your supposed teammates um which you know has hilarious consequences so Adam, I'd love to to know if if there's a moment from your time with Helldivers two that stands out so far. Okay, I totally have one. Um, so it was like ten o'clock at night earlier in the week. I was like, I'll just do one quick mission and then I'm going to go to bed. And so I I use quick play because I want to play with a bunch of people and I don't really want to start off solo. And I get thrown into the very beginning of a mission on like a very sort of foggy jungle planet with uh, the automaton enemies in the background. So they have this sort of very intense red uh, color profile that they have on a lot of their stuff. And they have lots of flags and stuff that feel very much like it evokes the motif of like something from Star Wars. It's got an imperial sort of element to it. They feel quite threatening and they have these huge bases off in the distance and they shoot red lasers at you. So we land quite quickly into what becomes an incredible series of just firefights and then very quickly, people start dying, like a lot. 
And then it takes a little bit of time to realize that some of the people on the team are really bad with aiming their orbital strategies and are just unintentionally taking people out in panics as they try to fight. And so 15 minutes of this happens, we're down to half our reinforcements already. We've barely started anything in the mission. And we're kind of creeping our way across the map when all of a sudden all our stratagems go blank. And this was the first time I came across uh, a radar station that the automons can, the automatums can use. Essentially, they can set up a radar dish which blocks you in a large area of the map from using any of your stratagems. You can't reinforce other players. You can't bring down your orbital strikes or do anything. So my immediate response was pinging that area. We got to go take care of it right now before we do anything else. Um, and so the two players that were sort of really loose and terrible went off in one direction. I went off by myself to just get rid of the radar dish. And I don't know what the third person was doing. And while I was sneaking my way into this base to take out the radar dish, they all died like a billion times over. We were down to three reinforcements and the two that really were terrible left straight up left. At this point, I was like in the middle of fighting a bunch of robots on this radar dish and I couldn't reinforce because I can't use any of my stratagems. So I had to like run out of the radar dish area really far away so that I could bring back the one dude who stayed in the game. Then the two of us worked out a plan on chat very quickly to sneak back to the radar dish, take it out. And then we spent the next 30 minutes slowly crouch stealthing through the map to get to the main objective, which was this multi-tiered mission to launch a rocket. Uh, which required lots of annoying fiddly swipe buttons and lots of running around while we're being bombed over and over. At one point, a grenade was thrown on me while I was trying to use a console um, and I nearly died. And we ended up evacing with one minute left and one reinforcement left. And it just Oof. felt like an epic turnaround of what was a total just like shit show, basically, to use nice words. But um for me, like a tense 45 minutes, uh, a lot longer than I was expecting to play. But one of those moments where you and a complete random stranger come together and are forged in fire from the experience and trauma of just like uh, everything going wrong at once. Um, and I think for me, that was the moment where I was like, oh, this game is really special. Um, there's something really good about what's happening here that I can't quite put into words. It's It's so apt because the moment that comes to mind for me is is similar except there's less sort of uh, anonymity involved because I was playing with a few people that I know and it was the automatons again so there's there's something about these robots that uh, uh, evokes very stressful situations um where when you choose a mission whoever's leading the squad gets to choose a drop point so you're given you're shown a little little map area which i think is colored in blue or gray for the most part and you can see where the main objectives are and you can also see where hot zones are uh, which are highlighted in red sort of these this red glow around a section of the map where there might be a nest or a factory or or some you know point of you know sort of uh, contested point mm. where, where there's definitely going to be some conflict but the uh not not going to name names but a certain executive producer of sifter decided that they would land right on top of the the main objective and i i thought okay this, this is going to be a little bit of a hot landing but let's let's go with it and so, lo and behold, the, the mission starts. We we slam into the the turf or the the dirt, whatever, with our with our pods, 
and immediately we are surrounded and just inundated with automatons just raining hellfire upon us and we're we're just overwhelmed flanked by all sides just dropping like flies left right and center and like we're we're not going to get through we're we're we've resigned to the fact we're not going to get through we're not going to make it we're not going to be able to do this mission because we are just so in over our heads and we've already lost so many reinforcements and it's like one of our first times playing on the medium and i quote the medium difficulty which is a step up from uh, from the the level before and somehow with one of us with one of us surviving managed to as you described before do this superman dive repeatedly you know the dive get up out of prone dive again just at this glacial pace getting behind cover and somehow managed to call reinforcements for the rest of us so we were back in the game and somehow against all odds we managed to push back this wave of robots and we're like okay we're gonna have to try do an early extraction because we've, we've got no hope here but we thought well we'll stuff it we're, we're here we might may as well have a crack and we managed to bit by bit fight and claim one objective followed by the next and you know, it wasn't easy doing so considered that we were on the back foot from the get-go but we, we managed to do it we managed to extract you know with barely any time left but it was just how hot that drop was and the the stress and the anxiety and the panic that all of us felt in that moment that that sort of shared moment it shared experience that we were just we were stressed but we're laughing and giggling all the way through and you know afterwards you know sort of the 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 palpable relief and the the release of tension that we all felt thinking yeah that was uh, that was a little bit stressful and you know all all we could do was was laugh due to you know, how ridiculous the situation was but helldivers 2 is just filled with those moments where it it manufactures these you know they're not set pieces in terms of you know there is a set thing that will happen at a particular moment and then another thing will happen but it manages to manufacture these um i suppose unset pieces that you know feel unique to each time you drop and for, for us being so totally overwhelmed on this difficulty that we hadn't tried before on a planet we hadn't visited before against an enemy we hadn't yet faced and it's something that we we all remember very very fondly and you know it, it's something that <laughs> goodness this game's just filled with those moments yeah i i, I want to give mad props one uh, because I find it fantastic and incredible that uh, the executive producer of this podcast failed to notice the big user interface that flashes and tells you not to land in threatened area when you're going to pick your dropship location. So, you know, kudos. <clears throat> uh, excuse me. I'm just going to jump right in here. Uh, it wasn't me who did the drop, uh, but I was the one who saved everyone. I dived to freedom. And it's easy to forget in the heat of war, isn't it? As you cast aspersions. It was actually the editor of a, a site that reminds me of Shmoshmaku Shmostralia. So, thank you, Chris. Thank you, Adam. Uh, but I think, you know, the uh, the other thing that I, I, I really like about, you know, that story is just 
the way the difficulty system works in this game is so great. So as you complete missions, you unlock new difficulty thresholds and new difficulty thresholds are not just like the monsters are slightly tougher, there's slightly more. It's like, here is a whole new type of monster. Here is a whole new type of threat. A different enemy base is now in the mix. And it really forces that progression system of leveling up and getting new equipment and getting new stratagems uh, to kind of counter things. So as you start getting to higher difficulties, suddenly the aliens have these spitter bugs that are like these horrible big boys that come up to you and just go and like can instantly melt you from full health to death unless you dive straight away or are really aware that they're on their way to spit on you. Um, eventually you get these towering multi-story kind of crab creatures that are crawling across the, the landscape at you. And like at that point, you better have unlocked rocket launches. Um, and there's just something really fun about how each difficulty up is not just incremental number increases but a whole variety of new ways to express yourself and to be challenged by this game um it's really remarkable and it feels really fun whenever you graduate to a new difficulty tier because it's almost like a whole new world of things to learn like there are tank enemies that the automatons start dropping at you and a whole bunch of other stuff and there's lots of great little like cottage secrets going around the internet right now of like hey you can use this to shoot this thing in this particular way um, and you'll stop a dropship of reinforcements from the robots from actually landing if you just rocket launch it in the sky and people are like sharing infographics of the right place to shoot enemies with each other so that as you get to the higher difficulties you know that you can actually break the legs of a charger uh terminated to stop it from chasing everyone around like a, a wild horse um it's it's just very fun i feel like the difficulty system here is an awesome way to approach like a, a difficulty curve and one that like rewards you for going into those higher difficulties by giving you entirely new gameplay experiences and I think that there's a couple of things I'd, I'd like to touch on before we before we wrap up. Well, one of which is the the server situation in terms of at the time of recording, there are hundreds of thousands of people playing this game concurrently at any given moment in time, and the, the servers they do be struggling. But that's I want to reinforce that that is just a totally normal thing to happen, especially for a developer that is you know, smaller in size com in compared to some of the others out there that you know, I would implore those who are disappointed now you know, that there are server struggles and sort of aren't able to get into the game, you know, stay the course because this, this will sort out over time. And yes, it is disappointing to you know, not be able to play a game that you paid for because you know, of, of server issues, but this you know is very much a, a temporary thing and it will it will be fixed sooner rather than later and i think um adam you mentioned this before we started recording the devs have been open and transparent and saying hey we gotta sleep we gotta we gotta eat you know we, we can't do this all at once so like we're very yeah. happy but we're also overwhelmed and we've just been on crisis meeting calls for an entire week we do understand yeah, yeah. is sort of the tone so, so yeah, do do be aware that you know there there may be some struggles getting on at the moment, but it, it will it will sort out over time, and it is absolutely worth it. And the other thing is, Adam, you briefly mentioned this earlier in terms of the the microtransactions, which mm. typically when when you think of a, a game that you pay you know an amount of of money for, like a, a premium game as opposed to a, a free to play uh, structure and model 
you think microtransactions are a little bit on the nose, but they seem to have actually done a very old school approach to microtransactions that actually lives up to the micro in microtransactions in terms of you can buy various cosmetic things that don't really have much of a discernible impact or i don't think they have any discernible gameplay impacts but it is literally a few dollars to get a you know cool looking armor set or or something like that and the when you go to purchase sort of money for then acquiring your in-game goods that sort of thing a lot of games you'll see oh yeah for for 12 bucks you'll get so over money however many video game you know currency whatever thirty dollars fifty dollars a hundred whatever dollars but the increments here are so much smaller and seem to be very respectful of hey if if you like playing this game or if you want that thing you can have it for just a few bucks we're not gonna fleece you for it so i think Mm. it's actually quite refreshing to see a, a developer take the approach of yeah this this is a premium game you have to pay an upfront cost to play um and there are microtransactions to support ongoing development, but they're very reasonably priced and I think very very ethically positioned as well. I think I'm more a bit in the middle with it. Like I, I do definitely think this is a better model than say like a Diablo 4, for example, with a cash shop where there's a $25 skin. Um, but I think the the overall... So there is a progression system here and a cash system that are sort of intertwined. So... For equipment and for gear, you need to collect medals. Medals are then earned at the end of missions, and sometimes you can find them in missions. There's also a secondary credit, because with every currency system in games, there's more than one to combobulate you. That's called super bucks or super credits or whatever um, from Super Earth, and those are used for the kind of cash shop side and for buying the premium battle pass. So there's two battle passes at launch. One is a free tier that's a lot easier to unlock, um, requires a lot less medals and i think that's sort of like the beginner track unlock everything there first but there are important items on that battle pass like a shotgun a better grenade um you know all those those helmets and stuff have stats there's three different tiers of uh of like types of heaviness of armor that you can wear and then some of those armors have like uh passive effects to them which are tied into unlocking them on this free battle pass the premium battle pass has a bunch of those as well and the stats seem to be standardized in some ways so a heavy armor suit for the most part has similar stats to every other heavy armor suit but some of them have different passive effects that might only appear on those specific sets of armor. And so I think that's where we get into this sort of weird gray area. I think the reason why I'm a bit more friendly to it to it is that the free battle pass gives you about 700 super credits. Um, the battle, the premium battle pass costs a thousand and it's quite easy through exploration to make the extra 200 or 300 yourself in a week or two of playing. So the ability to unlock that premium battle pass for free is actually achievable and manageable with this system. And then the sort of rotating scarcity cash shop that we see in a lot of these games where you'll have like three or four items and then it refreshes every 24 hours. The most I've seen something to be purchased there has been about 150 or 200 of those super credits, which is something achievable that you can find by searching in the game through some regular gameplay and doesn't feel like something that I would have to spend two months of hoarding my microtransaction cash to like eventually purchase. So at least it feels like stuff that I might be able to 
actually acquire without spending additional money on. But I do find myself with a little bit of like, I just don't know how I feel about like the metal system being tied into tangible weapons and equipment that you actually need. I kind of wish it was just purely cosmetic skins and things and that those sort of more tangible items that you really need, like a shotgun or whatever, or a submachine gun, et cetera, which are actually have quite important gameplay like elements to them were inside the stratagem sort of menu where you purchase those with your resources that you collect during missions and have nothing to do with like the paid side of the game. But that's just me being a bit picky. And I think it's it's a totally fair a fair and valid point to 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 make as well in in terms of you know acquiring weapons and armor is separate to how how you would upgrade those those other systems which serve an equally important part to, to the gameplay loop. But that that being um, considered, do you drop or rate Helldivers two? I mean, I want to say I drop because, like, that's what you do in this game. You stop, yeah. drop, and roll. You drop from the sky. You drop things on things. Uh, but I guess I rate it. I rate it very highly. This is, like, even though I haven't been able to play all weekend because the servers have crashed, I still am glowing about my experience with the game so far. And I think there is a really exciting future for this game. I can't wait to see what they have planned for it. The developers already have come out in the last 24 hours saying our original plan for support for this game is shifting now and we are going to be a bit more ambitious, hopefully, with what we want to actually bring into the game in the future, which is really awesome. I think they've created something really special here and it's it's a PvE like extraction shooter that feels really fun, that has a great sense of tone about it, looks gorgeous and doesn't feel like it's going to just be this, I don't know. You know what I mean with these PvE extraction shooters? It feels like one comes out every 14 months by Ubisoft and we're like, oh yeah, it's one of those. And then we sort of throw it away. And I feel like this one actually has its teeth in me and is doing so much creative stuff with its systems and ideas that it's going to influence a lot of games. I think there will be a lot of games with like smashing button keypad combinations in a rush coming into the future near you in multiplayer. Excellent. I, I agree. I rate Helldivers 2 as well, and I, I keep thinking about the, the times that I've played it so far, and I can't wait for, for the next time I play and you know generate more hilarious, stressful, fun you know times as well in this very satirical you know war war landscape that they've set hey there gianni here on the latest episode of light map sifters interview podcast trent custers from melbourne's league of geeks joins me to share the pretty candid story of how their studio almost came to its end the thing that I said to Blake, who's the game director on Jump Light Odyssey, and, you know, we've got to remind ourselves is that it literally was just a logic puzzle. Like, we did not have enough money to take one team all the way through till, say, late 2024, which is when, which is the amount of time that Jump Light Odyssey needed to be completed. We've got to put this one game that's already out there that has a bunch of potential and then invested in this other game that you know very clearly because we can see the wish list doesn't have this and it's always been the case like solid inferno is the weirdo strategy game right it was never it was never the commercial front runner out of the two you know you don't get to pick and choose it actually the decision is made for you you can get every episode of lightmap for free on apple podcasts on spotify on youtube or head to our website sifter.com.au sit down for a chat with your pals in video games 
You're listening to SIFTA. This has been Drop Rate by SIFTA, our video game review podcast. So, Adam, if people want to see more of your work or you know, hear more from you, where, where should they find you? Uh, they can find me at sifter.com.au. Um, and sometimes I appear on Triple R in Melbourne, so rrr.org.au. I'm occasionally hosting radio shows there. And I do the breakfast video games review segment. And Sifter is produced by Chris Button, Courtney Barrett, Kyle Poletto, Fiona Bartholomeus, Daniel Ang, and Adam Christo. Mitch Lowe is senior producer, and Gianni Di Giovanni is executive producer. Thanks to Brian Fairbanks from Salty Dog Sounds for composing the theme music. And that's all for this week. You can check out what Sifter is up to on our socials. You can chat with us on Discord and visit our website, sifter.com.au, for written coverage. And if you enjoyed this episode of Drop Rate, please consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or your platform of choice. Plus, you can check out our other podcast, Lightmap, where we talk to game developers, creatives, and people who are doing cool things in interactive media on your favorite podcast app of choice. See you next time. Thank you.